0: Man, if you got a copy of God's Word, why don't you find the book of Ephesians. If you're new to the Bible, Ephesians will be in the New Testament. And you're going you're gonna to locate it just after some of what we call the Gospels, which are called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your Bible. If you're on your, uh, your technical mobile device, whatever, you're just going to keep scrolling down to the bottom. If you hit Revelation, back it up a little bit, you'll find Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. Well, this last fall I got to deer hunt for the first time in Missouri. And so it was so exciting to get out. Like, It's real cold. Up here like this this ain't fake cold it's fake cold down in the south I was talking to my mama yesterday is she lives out in Odessa we call it slow death because it ain't nothing but just flat land out there you can watch your dog run away for like three days no lie anyway and so she lives out there it's 75 degrees in slow death I'm like come on Texas right anyway but it's cold cold up in Missouri so I was in the deer stand that morning and I was bundled up trying to stay warm and and I've you know I'm in my box stand and and I and then I oh, oh, here comes my deer. Y'all can see it right here, right? And so it's kind of, a, kind of like a, a, some of you like, it's a baby deer. I didn't shoot that one, all right? Anyway, so I pull my gun up, and uh, much like some of you who have deer hunted before, and I get it there, right? And I'm like, guys, right? We straight until that deer comes out, right? And we're like, like, like it's a bear or something. I don't know why I'm so nervous, right? And so I'm, I'm up there, and I get in that kill zone. Oh, shoot it, boy. Some of y'all just scared. I pulled a trigger and, and then I was like, uh oh. Because the deer didn't drop. Like the deer ran off. I was like, oh man, I don't think I killed the deer. And so because I hunt with like a baby bazooka. Anyway, and so I didn't think I killed the deer. And so I, I get out there, and and really long story short, I I missed what I was aiming at. And I actually, I, I'm really not proud of this. I wounded the deer. And, and I tried to find it so I could harvest it, but 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 because I didn't know what I was doing, and because of my foolishness to prepare, I wounded this animal, and, and it ran off into the wilderness and died. And i tell you that story because uh, what what had happened that day is that I didn't take the time to properly prepare my scope. The scope is the the mechanism on top of the rifle before I pulled the trigger. Before I made the decision to pull the trigger and take this animal, I didn't make sure that my scope was properly mounted. And so my crosshairs were not properly uh, aligned on the kill zone. I thought I had them on the right spot on the animal, but come to find out, it wasn't on the right spot. And I tell you that story because, guys, if we don't cite in our scopes when it comes to dating, then when we pull the trigger on, 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 the, um, on the relationship and we make the decision and our crosshairs are focused on the wrong thing, man, we're going to miss what we were hoping to hit. And sadly, most of us may wound someone or we may wind up wounded ourselves. I titled this message, The Scope of Dating. The scope of dating because we've got a scope that we've got to get our crosshairs properly on the right thing so that we can pull the trigger of decision and we can harvest or we can have a successful marriage someday. But also, I titled this "The Scope of Dating" because I want to look at your dating past, your dating present, and your dating future—the scope of your dating life. If you're here tonight, um, I just want to let you know it's gonna—I'm gonna get in your business a little bit tonight. All right, I'm be meddling a little bit, but but I believe that God has a word for you. Man, for you, woman, from his word, some principles that we can apply to our life tonight. And so I'm excited. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. This is our theme text for uh, the Save the Date series. Here's what Paul says. He says this. Be very careful, acrobos. Be very careful, that's the Greek. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise Making the most of every opportunity. Somebody say every. There you go. You could circle that whole phrase. Making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Paul is saying, man, you got to be very careful so that you can make the most of your life. And you guys, most of you have come in here and you are in a season of life called singleness or newly married or in a relationship. And Paul wants you to take the principles of God's word, apply them to your life so that you can make the most of every opportunity. See, I think there's two ways that we can learn in life. We can, and all of us have come in here, we we can live and learn, right? And so we, we just go through life, we live life and we learn from our mistakes, hopefully, right? Give me an affirming nod, yeah. But Paul would say, hey, there's a better way, and I'm all about a better way. The, the better way is that you don't have to just live and learn. You can learn and then live. You could, take, you could take something that I'm putting down tonight. You could smoke something that I'm selling tonight. You could eat something that I'm baking tonight. And you can learn something tonight and then go out here and live differently. Paul wants us to get this, what's called wisdom. Wisdom is understanding how the world works, and it's the ability to work well within the world. Wisdom is knowledge plus application. You can't just have book smarts. you got to have street smarts, too. you got to have knowledge and application. So when we look at the scope of our dating life, I want to start with point number one, dating past. Dating past. Moses writes in Deuteronomy 32, 7, he says this, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. That this principle that Moses is trying to get the people of God to understand is that you've got to look at your history to shed light on your present. See, when we take a look at our past, it helps us understand our today. When we take a look at what happened and how things came about, it helps us understand where we're at today. And so I want to start off just by giving, I don't know if you've ever heard of the history of dating, like how dating even got started. Dating really is a relatively new thing on, on the scene when it comes to human history. Um, 1890s, Industrial Revolution time, man, there was all kinds of changes taking place in the Western world. And, and, and in regards to relationships and the way that, you, uh, way that one man pursued one woman to find a wife, it, it all began to change. In 1896, the, the word dating or the phrase dating, it was, it was brand new. It was introduced into the vernacular in the English world. And so it was introduced primarily as a euphemism for prostitution. That meant if you were going on a date with a man, he, he was paying for something, and you were giving him something in exchange. He was putting money down, and you were putting sex out. And it was this euphemism. It was kind of churching up prostitution. And so in this era, like if you were going on a date, like, hey, hey, Dad, I'm going to on a date with this guy. And he's like, no, you're not. <laughs> right? And he meant it for real, because if you were caught on a date with a dude, then that meant that you had the label of a prostitute. And so in the 1900s, um, we had kind of mass media taking place in American culture. There was a magazine that, uh, that a ton of women subscribed to called Ladies Home Journal. And so uh, the, the mass media began to dictate to women what is beauty, uh, how should they dress, how should they perceive themselves. And then you had the automobile that became very very popular and so by the 1930s men had the opportunity to have an automobile and and there was a shift in the way that they began to court and then now date women one time they would go over to the woman's house they would play like dominoes and spades and and, and chicken foot and stuff I don't know if you know what that is but they would play games like monopoly and stuff like that in their house but now they started going out on a date they would pick her up and they would go out and so what happened was inevitably the the men that had the most money, they could buy the nicest cars. And the men that had the nicest cars, they could afford uh, taking out uh, the prettiest girls, the ones that dressed the nicest. And so they would take these, out, these girls out on a date and they would expect sex in exchange. And, and we've been doing that ever since. This is the foundation, this is the legacy of dating. And and there's still this understanding, right? Like, I mean, it's 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 as pervasive from the 30s all the way to today as anything. Like, there's still this understanding that at the end of the day, you should expect some sort of sexual favor in return for all that you were able to give that girl that night. Isn't that right, guys? Don't agree with me out loud, but you know what I'm saying, all right? Like, I'm about to, I'm expecting something in return. I done dropped a hundred, right? And that's the way our world works. And then you got the 60s hitting the scene and the sexual revolution, and it began to de- uh, denigrate the, the morality of the Western world. And so it introduced this whole new idea uh, of what singles do, and, and, and it introduced this idea that you should pursue pleasure without purpose. And then in the 70s, you got pornography thrown into the mix. So let's just, let's just get magazines in the drugstores and the gas stations with naked people in them. That'll help. And so it just began to escalate the sexual denigration of our society. And so you see all this stuff take place, and so you got pornography into the mix, and then in the '70s, abortion was legalized. And so there were these relationships that were taking place where you could now seemingly allow reproduction to be removed entirely from sex. So this mirage came out, right? This mirage was that I can have sex with whoever I want without any consequences. And in the 80s, you got internet, so pornography started to to spread, you know, global. The 90s, the internet got better and better and better and more and more prevalent. And and you just see the the, the tide and the the morality of of our society begin to drop down. And this is the legacy of dating, a euphemism for prostitution that really doesn't look very different today. Ravi Zacharias, he says this. I love this. He says this. Pleasure without boundaries produces a life without purpose. And so dating has become the pursuit of pleasure. We're hedonistic in our approach to dating. And Robbie would say that when you have pleasure without boundaries, it produces a life without purpose. And we know this to be scripturally true. Proverbs 14 says that there's a way that seems right in a man's heart, but in the end it leads to death. And not only is this scripturally true, we know this to be empirically true. That our experience, come on, let's be honest, when we have pursued pleasure for pleasure's sake without any purpose and without any parameters, has it given you more life or robbed you of life? And so Ravi, one of the best-known apologists of our time, he's he's saying, man, you got to be careful. So that's the history of dating. But what about your dating history? What's in the foreground of your dating history? See, the best predictor of your future is your past. You know that, right? And so it would do us some good to examine what's behind us tonight. Some of you are like, man, my dating history looks like I was playing hopscotch in a minefield. Like like on the reel. It's just, let's just not talk about that, right? Some of you are like, man, I kicked dating goodbye. Not kissed it. It was like, get out of here, man. I'm tired of this, man. All these men, they just creating heartache and they just like leeches in my life, right? You know what I'm saying? Just just get a job. I kicked it goodbye, <laughs> right? And some of y'all, you're drowning in dating like we talked about last week. If you didn't catch that, catch it and put your mouthpiece in because it's a punchy one. And some of you, you're, you're drowning in dating, but you're starving for a relationship. And so we, we, a lot of us, we've had this bad experience with dating, but dating is the pathway in our culture that leads us to the goal of marriage. And so, so what do we do? And so we have to take a hard look at our dating because, see, most of us have approached dating much like we approach shopping. Like, like if it looks good. And, and if I look good around it, and if it's comfortable but not too costly... Sign me up, right? And so we have this mentality, like we get in our mind the perfect man, the perfect woman. He's, you know, he's like six three and a half, not six four, because that's a little too tall. But I want him to be tall, but not below six two and a half. You know what I'm saying? So there's that sweet spot, kind of that window, and then he's got to have this color of skin, not not quite that dark, not quite that light, but like that, like that, that caramel. You know, just like that perfect. You know, and so he's got to, you know, and then, and oh, she's got to, man, she's got to be like, you know, she's got to be like like Nicki Minaj and Taylor Swift mixed together, I don't know how that works, you know, but somewhere like, you know, and so you just concocted some sort of weird thing and, and you begin to, and you think, okay, once I get that, per- but, but it, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, so we build these lists, and then, and then we try to find someone to meet the list, and then we get married, and then we think, oh, well, that didn't work out, so we keep swiping left on marriage, but you can't swipe left on a marriage, Because, see, check this out. Divorce is the murder of a marriage. And when a marriage is murdered, a whole family suffers. There's no pretty divorces. You can prenup all you want. But it's robbing our society. Don't you see what's happening in a fatherless generation? Because men thought they could get women pregnant and and not stay in that marriage and just swipe left that marriage. Because, oh, he wasn't performing or she wasn't performing the way I thought she was. And so we've grown up taking our cues from The Bachelor and from Hollywood's famous couples. But what we see is that they are all failing when it comes to marriage. I think 21 seasons of The Bachelor, two are still married. But we get our marching orders from these places and we wonder why we're failing when it comes to relationships. Look at your past. Because, see, what I learned a long time ago is if something's cheap, it typically ain't going to last. If, if she's cheap, if she's easy, and you think that's a, that's a win in your book, that ain't going to last. Or or, or what I've learned is that when I buy something, it does does not completely soul satisfy me. And some of us think that when we get in a relationship, he's going to complete me or he's going to be my know We're going to have our version of the notebook. Nick Sparks is going to run and write our story. It's going to be awesome. You know, we think that it's going to be epic. But let me tell you, ladies, let me just be real, okay? If you think some man is going to satisfy you, let me just let you know this. It's how we say in the country. He ain't got enough potatoes for your gravy. He cannot stand, yeah. He cannot stand underneath the weight of your worship. You were meant to be satisfied by God, not some man. And check this out, ladies. Men make terrible gods. They'll never satisfy you. Men, let me let me let you know this too, that there is no female that can that can bear the the freight of your fantasy. She cannot stand underneath the weight of what you've what you have concocted in your mind because of your history of pornography. how she's going to perform, how she's going to look. Wait till she gets some babies. Wait till life lives on her a little bit. And there's no female that can that can stand underneath the freight of your fantasy. And so we've got to be careful when it comes to dating. Look at your history. Dan Slater, he wrote an article or a book called Love in the Time of Algorithm. and He was talking about online dating, and, and he was observing online dating, in particular Match.com. Because when Match.com first started out, they gave all these like credentials, and they were trying to make the perfect match. And what he found out is how people who thought they had the perfect match, they rarely made it past the first date. And so um, he said that, that Match.com hired this consultant to come in and try to figure out. And, and the consultant, he said this, when you watch their browsing habits, their actual behavior on the site, uh, you see them go way outside of what they want. And so he, he said even in the online dating, they think that if we can create these perfect matches, these match made in heaven, if you can pick out you know, what you want, then you'll be satisfied. But that's not true. They're saying this isn't working, and so online dating sites—they've kind of reduced and deduced and simplified the credentials in which you can apply in that system. And it's—you—you you upload like a really good photo, you know, like like you got the angle right, like not a low angle, right, ladies? You want to you want to get that that chin, making sure it's you know distinct, right? And so you get the angle right, and and guys, you know, like be careful if he just shows like half a face, you know. So just be careful with that. And then you can put in like a witty a witty phrase, you know, like you know something about how you like to read in the mountains while right bikes or whatever, I don't really know. Anyway, so you can put like a witty phrase in, so you have those two credentials. So we have been brought up in this system that is rigged because we think that if we can pursue someone with charm, someone with charisma, then that's, that's awesome. And so we put our crosshairs on charm, we put our crosshairs on charisma and check this out, God has something to say about this. Proverbs thirty-one thirty. he says that charm is deceptive. Oh, he may be all that. On his profile, what about his past? What about his production now? Oh, he's got charisma, you say. It's deceptive. Beauty is fleeting. Oh, she may be bad now. I mean, just woo! But it's fleeting. But the, the man in Proverbs, he says, but a woman who fears the Lord, or you could put in there a man who fears the Lord, is to be praised. And so don't put your crosshairs on, on uh, charisma or on, on charm, but learn a new way. You can learn and then live. And God had to revolutionize my life in this area, man. I was brought up in, much in the same system that you were brought in, up in, a system that seems like it's constructed for failure. And so you just kind of go out there, you know, it's like your, your fifth, sixth, seventh grade self walking out there like got swag on swag, right? And so you're trying to be like the Justin Timberlake of life, just good at everything, you know. And so you think that that's going to be how you're going to approach and win somebody. And so, and then you cross paths with her and then, and then all this, and then we get in this dysfunction called dating, And God had to revolutionize what I put my crosshairs on when I was a young adult. Because I knew based upon my history, if I continue to head down that way, the destination I was going to arrive at was not a good one. And maybe God is convicting you of the same tonight. That maybe you would consider tonight, are you in trouble? Do you need help? Will you cooperate and aim your crosshairs at something other than charisma or charm. What, what's your dating history look like? See, God wants you to have the right person the right way. He wants you to learn and then live. Point number two, dating present. Dating past, now dating present. So who, who should we date? If you're ready and you're eager to learn, like, okay, wh- who should I put my crosshairs on? What would what, what they look like? So who, who should we date and, and what should we begin to aim our sights at? Well, first of all, you want to... You want to know that scripture says a lot about the type of person you should be with. Like Proverbs, I love this. Proverbs 27 15 says, uh, Listen, guys, a nagging wife is like water going drip, drip, drip on a rainy day. And in times of war, they use dripping water as a form of torture. Like, man, hey, how things with your girl? You know, this guy's married that wrote this. How things with your girl? Oh, man. Oh, torture? Yeah, they're going all right. Did you just call her torture? Yeah. Yeah, she just dripped down. She just dripping. Just drip, drip, drip all day. <laughs> but, you know, be careful. Be careful. <laughs> you know? And he's trying to, this wasn't written for married men. This was written for single men, okay? Men, be careful of a woman who's combative, that has no ability to follow any instruction. Be careful of a woman who is always bucking the authority in her life, who speaks ill of her boss or of her mom or of her dad or whoever is influential in life. Be careful because she's like a dripping faucet. Or Proverbs 25, 28, it says, A man, men, ladies, this, this one you need to listen up, a man who does not control his temper is like a city whose wall is broken down. He may be cute, he may have abs, he may got money and a nice car, I don't know. But if he got anger issues, careful because God just said that that you shouldn't marry that man because he'll tear your house down and you won't feel safe and you'll be married to, to the Hulk one day and then the doctor the next and you don't know who you're getting. And so God would say, be careful, because God's Word says a lot about observation. It says a lot about observation, so whom do I set my crosshairs on? you got to know that dating is for observation and for edification. And so you got to know that we are to put our crosshairs on, you could write this down, put our crosshairs on a person who has character before God and chemistry with you. So let's break down character real quick. First of all, does he love or does she love Jesus? A.W. Tozer says, the most important thing in a man's life is his or her view of God. Do they love Jesus? Psalm 1, 1 through 1-3 says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. Check this out. This man delights in the law of the Lord. He loves the Bible. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He ain't thinking about other women. He ain't thinking about the game. He's thinking about God's word. He shall be, check this out. This is the type of man you want, ladies. He shall be planted. Like a tree, excuse me, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit. He's he, he's got, I mean, he's productive, whose leaf will not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Hey, women, don't you want a man like this that loves Jesus, he loves God's word, and he's firmly planted. He's not easily moved by the storms of life. He doesn't hang out with a bunch of morons, he walks with the, with the right people. And he's prosperous. Don't you want a man like this or, or men, don't you want a woman like Proverbs 31, 25-30 says this, that she is clothed with strength and dignity, that she can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She ain't on Facebook all day. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but this woman surpasses them all. Charm is deceptive again, and beauty is fleeting. But a woman that fears the Lord, woo, is worthy to be praised. And so, guys, don't you want a woman like this? I ain't talking about a woman that said, I love God, for real. Don't you know that? I love God. Not a woman like that. I'm talking about a woman that, that embodies these things. Don't you want a woman like that? So I'm like, I just want her to be fine, Chad, seriously. Like, if she looks good in yoga pants, I'm good. But I'm telling you, you need more than that. Is she in community? Is she she trying to walk out the precepts and the principles of God's word? Or is she just kind of idle and vain and narcissistic? Is Is he serving? Does he know his call in life? Is he a man on a mission and inviting you and inspiring you to join him? Aim your crosshairs at character. Does he love God? Is he or she committed? Psalm 15.4 says this, that God's people, they keep their promises even when it hurts. Oh, man, this is so hard in our generation. We don't like commitment. We got like commitment phobia. We need to see the doctor get some some commitment pills so we can get better, right? And so we got commitment issues. But if you got commitment issues, don't get married. Don't even date because it ain't going to work good. Do they honor their commitments? Are they a person of integrity? And and why is commitment so important? Because, see, listen, guys, you want a woman whose faithfulness to you is not anchored in the shifting sands of circumstances. But you want a woman that that keeps a commitment even when it hurts. Uh, Earlier this year, I had the chance to go do ministry in Alaska. And so I was a long way from home. I was up there preaching a revival, and on Monday, my wife called and she said, Hey, Elizabeth, our second child, she's four years old. uh, She's complaining about her foot hurting. And I said, Well, let's just see what happens. That night, she doesn't sleep much, therefore, my wife doesn't either. The next night, same thing. She doesn't sleep much, therefore, my wife doesn't either. On Wednesday, they go to see the doctor because it's still in pain, and she's like, well, we need to go have x-rays or something. So I'm still in Alaska doing ministry, and my wife's in single mom mode. She's got three kids. Girl hasn't slept for over a year because she's been nursing our baby. Just compound lack of sleep for a year, people, and see how that works in your life. And then she, she calls and says, hey, they, they need to admit her into the hospital. And so I'm in Alaska, and she is taking care of all of this stuff. And, see, and she takes the kid to uh, Children's Mercy downtown. They admit her. She's got a bone or a soft tissue infection, some weird demonic things happening there. I don't really know what. It's unexplainable, but I'm off doing ministry. And then there's this thing happening on my children, my child's foot, and she's got this weird, just out of nowhere infection. And so all this happens, and then my wife, man, she's holding the four down. And see, in that moment, see, like, like if I was going after a trophy wife, in that moment, if I wanted just a woman that just looked good on my side, like, girl, she looks good in yoga, like I told my, she looks good in yoga pants, she works out, um, she cooks good, she keep the house clean. I mean, I just run through whatever kind of uh, vain list that you could create. I said, man, she's a trophy wife. That's good until conflict, until chaos, until the world starts falling apart and until your family's at war and you're not there to battle with them. I don't need a trophy wife. I need a woman that will pull her sleeves up and go to war with me and battle on behalf of my family. And men, you need a woman that does the same. What are your crosshairs on? Aim on at character. Character. Do they love Jesus? Are they committed? Because you got to know that they're going to be committed through through it all. Like women, you got to know that your man's going to be committed to you in thin and in thick. You know what I'm saying? Like like when you're thin, he's committed to you and when you're thick. <laughs> See what I did there? Or or you got to know women that he's committed to you when you're thick. I mean, or and, and if you were to get like sick and skinny and you got to know that this man is committed to you no matter what you look like. Because, guys, let me just be real. There's going to be a day when you're going to have kids. And when you have kids, it's called the long winter. The long winter means that, that you cannot have sex with your wife for a long time. And women, you gotta, you got to be able to trust this man's integrity. Has he upheld his commitment in dating to sexual purity? Or have I pacified his pornographic problem. Because if he hasn't shown me that he can control himself, what evidence do I have to believe that when we're in the long winter and he ain't getting what he wants, that he's not going to run off? Or when I've got breast milk splattered up on my shoulder, my hair's a mess because I ain't slept in six months, that he's not going to come in and go, ooh, But he's going to come up to you and say, baby, I love you. You look beautiful. You're a mess, but I like it. (laughs) And women, don't you want a man like that? Because, guys, you got to know that your sexual sexual purity, the pursuit of your purity, man, it's building self-control. Write this down. Your sex drive is like a spoiled child that needs discipline, not indulgence. There's some things you've got to get in check today because pleasure without restraint leads to ruin. And so aim your crosshairs at a man of character. Does he love Jesus? Aim your crosshairs at a woman of character. Is she committed? And then ask yourself, do we have chemistry? You need to observe chemistry. The first lane you need to observe chemistry in is is, is socially, okay? Are y'all compatible socially? Like let, me, like, let me just, like, let me drop another reality on you. Your marriage is not going to be one big sex fest, okay? Like, you're not going to get married be like, we're just going to have sex all the time. It's going to be awesome. And when we, we're going to stop to eat, but then we can get some Gatorade and make up for lost time. It's going to be great. Like, let, me just, let me just give you some numbers. I ain't convinced some of y'all. Here we go. Let's say the average couple has sex six times a month. Okay, that's actually above average, okay? Let's say the average couple, so you're above average, and each time you have sex, it lasts 30 minutes. That's actually above average too, but y'all above, I, this is an above average crowd, okay? <laughs> I can just see it, all right? So you're having sex six times a month, 30 minutes a time. Let's say that 30 minutes, that, that's like from brushing your teeth to getting dressed and watching ESPN, okay, and everything in between. So per month, that's, a, that's 180 minutes a month that, you're, that you spend having sex, that's, that's 2,160 minutes a year that you spend having sex, which equals, here we go, which equals 0.41% of the year you spend having sex. So it, it ain't about having physical chemistry. See, let's just say, let's just help, I mean, again, y'all are above average, so let's just, let's just round it up. Let's say, you, let's say you're going to have twice as much sex as the average person that's already above average and then some. Let's just say 1% of your life, 1% of your year, you having sex, right? What about the other 99% of this relationship? You need to observe chemistry socially because check this out. The compatibility, excuse me, that, that means if you're having sex 1% of the year, that means that you spent 99% of your, year, of your year not having sex. So here's why I say all that. The compatibility uh, that you have between you and your your sweet thing has much more to do with the 99% than the 1%. But the 1% will massively be impacted by the 99%. So if all you do is focus on that 1% of your relationship, you're going to be blind to the chemistry that you may or may not have in the 99%. And you're fooling yourself you think we have something special because your sex is awesome you're fooling yourself do you enjoy car rides together would be a better question like if the thought of you getting in the car with your significant other just gives you like panic attack it's probably not a good idea for that relationship to continue on if you run out of things to talk about while you're dating you probably should get off the path of dating and so you got to observe chemistry socially and then vocationally. Like, you need to ask questions like, oh, man, he wants to be a doctor. And it's cool to be a doctor. You may fall in love with a doctor, but if he wants to be a doctor in Calcutta, like, some, like, is that west of here? You know, you're like, but he's so handsome. He's going to be a doctor. Yes. But you didn't even know Calcutta was in India and one of the poorest places in the world. And you're like, I, I thought that was just like, like a drive outside of Kansas City. I thought I could still see my mama when we got married. And so you need to have these conversations. Are you compatible? Do you have chemistry socially, vocationally? Have you put your crosshairs on their character and on their chemistry? And some of you, in response to this tonight, you've got to change your focus. You've got to change your focus, and you've got to consider new people. Man, some of you are here, and you haven't even considered some of the, the single moms that we have coming you're like, oh, they got a kid. They, no, they out. <laughs> and, and you are blaming them for their past, and, and God may have done some amazing work in their life, but because you don't have your crosshairs on the right thing, you're not even able to see the right thing that's before you. And you want to act like you're better just because your computer didn't get pregnant. And so some of you need to change your focus, and then you need to consider new people that some of you guys, you haven't considered, excuse me, some of you ladies, you haven't considered some of the men here because they're not flashy enough. Because they drive a hoopty, but you don't know they're saving money. They're debt free. And home dude that's got the nice car, he, he's like 80000 in debt over that, but he's flashy. And God is saying, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Get your scope fixed. Get your crosshairs on their character and on, on the chemistry that you may have and change your focus. And some of you, man, you're like, man, but oh, it's just a lot easier if I lower my standards. Man, don't lower your standards. Lengthen your patience and keep praying. Don't lower your standards. Lengthen your patience and keep praying. Tommy Nelson, uh, uh, one of our beloved pastors in in Texas, he says this, the loneliness of being single will not be alleviated by loneliness in a king-sized bed laying next to someone who you cannot communicate with about the biggest issues in life. That what Tommy is saying is this, it's better to be single and alone than married and alone. And so make sure you put your crosshairs on the right thing. And some of you are like, well, Chad, there ain't nobody in my life like this that you're talking about. Is it, this is like a unicorn that you're talking about, all right? Yeah, great. Character, chemistry. Yeah, just unicorn. Okay. Well, just remember. Remember this truth. You rarely make eye contact with the people driving in the opposite direction. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'll tell you that because of this. Let me explain this. Who do you glance over and make that awkward eye contact with when you're driving down the road? Like, you're cruising. Oh. And then you're looking, and they they look at you like. (laughs) (laughs) Or you do that like. "Mm, Yeah, I was looking at you." you. You make that awkward eye contact with when you're running 70 down the highway, not with people on the other side of the median. But with people in your same direction, your same speed. And so listen, guys, some of you, are, you're never going to find the person that you want to find until you start moving in the direction that God wants you to move. Some of you men, you've written all these female characteristics I've, I've, I've told you tonight. You're like, I'm about to give you a woman like this, like this. But you haven't written one of the men's characteristics down. And some of you ladies, you've written down all the men's characteristics. I'm about to get a man like this. I got a man. I'm about to ask him if he can become like this. But you haven't written anything down when it comes to women. And, And that's wrong. Because you're not considering what direction you're going in. And so you want to start moving in the direction that God wants you to move. So are you headed in the same direction that the person you're looking for is headed? Or do you need to change your direction so that you can become the person the person you're looking for is looking for? Some of you need to change your direction tonight. And the reason why you're not finding anybody like this is because you're not becoming like this. Remember, you rarely make eye contact with the people driving in the opposite direction. Point number three, and finally tonight, you're dating future. You're dating future. So so what do you need to do I mean, we looked at your dating past, the scope of dating, your dating past, your dating present, and now your dating future. Because, guys, if you get your crosshairs on the wrong thing and you pull the trigger of decision in dating, you will wind up wounding someone and probably even wounding yourself. And so it's time to learn and then live tonight. Ask yourself this question What do you need to do today? that your future self will be grateful for? <laughs> what do you need to do today that your future self will be grateful for? Dating present, let me give you a four, four, four things that maybe some of you need to do tonight. First thing, some of you need to pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. Because like, like you met this man, you were you you swiping left, swiping left, and then you swiped right on that man. Woo! Because his profile, listen, profiles lie, but pasts don't so pump the brakes pump the pump the brakes great relationships are built on good decisions not strong emotions great relationships are built on good decisions not strong emotions and the greatest test is time Dating is for observation and edification. We said last week, Paul, he warns young Timothy, don't be quick to lay hands on leaders. you got to watch them, man. you got to see because there's some things that they do that are evil and plain and evil, but there's other things that are hidden. you got to look for cracks in their character because cracks in your character will become rifts in your relationship in the future because there's fault lines there. you got to watch them. So some of you, man, dating, future, you got to pump the brakes in your relationship. Give it a little time. Give it a little breathing room. Some of you need to break up. Some of you need to break up. Uh, we we actually want to help you on how to break up, okay? And so um, we we crafted a text message, and um, in the text message, um, it's going to detail. It's there. I'm just kidding. We didn't give you a text. Come on, man. Seriously. So I'm like, that's shallow, but I like it. It's easy. It's just quick. You know, you know no confrontation. No, let, let me help you. If you need some help breaking up, Let me give you four things on how to break up. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Don't be alone in your opinion to break up. Are you in community? Go to that biblical community, those brothers and sisters in Christ, and say, Man, I think we need to break up, and let them say why. And then you present your case to them. They're they're neutral. They don't care. They do, but they don't. You know what I'm saying? And so seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. Number two, you need to set a strategy. You need to set a strategy. You, you need to run your talking points past this Christian that you're bouncing things off of, this Christian brother or sister, because listen, there's a lot of true but unhelpful things that you could say when you're breaking up with somebody. And you don't necessarily need to say everything. Number three, don't blame God. Okay, let's just be real, all right? Like, like it, gone are the days that we need to sit down with somebody and say, look, girl, like God, you know, God told me um, that uh, you're, not, you're not the one. He told me that really or you know like you, you sit down with him you're like you're like um look look buddy <laughs> I don't know if you call him buddy that's kind of weird but you're like look pal um God's leading me um in a different direction and or or some of you're like you know I uh, I can't explain this but God gave me a vision and you weren't in it I just and so like, like don't blame God seriously don't blame God How do you break up? Seek wisdom. Set a strategy. Don't blame God. Own your part. Own your part. Man, most most of our relationships are marked by sin because we're sinners. That's what we do. And so there's probably a sin that you need to to own in this breakup, and you need to ask for forgiveness where it's needed. The, The next thing, I think I told you four, but I'm giving you five things. Own your part, and then lastly, fight for clarity. Fight for clarity. The way that you fight for clarity is that you don't lead with ambiguity, but you lead with specificity. You lay out the evidence. Good leaders eliminate confusion. God is not the author of confusion, and his people should not be either. So you got to be honest about how you came to the decision, and about how God has made this direction clear to you. And sure, there's some things that may be intangible, but, but find the, the tangible factors. This is not a license to say harmful things, but, but helpful things even if the helpful things may hurt them initially. It's important that we have clarity because, guys, our imaginations, our imaginations, especially in an emotional crisis, can be a lethal weapon for Satan that he wants to leverage and use against us for evil. And so when we leave everything vague and spiritual, our ex will not, and the majority of the time, will create in their mind these lies that the devil latches onto to destroy them. And so give them enough information about how God led you to do this, led you to this decision without crushing them or tearing them down. And understand that is not your man. That's not your husband. And she is not your woman. You don't possess her. And so if someone comes to break up with you, you got to understand that's God's man. and That's God's woman, not mine. Dating future, some of you need to pump the brakes, some of you need to break up. Some of you just need to take a break. Some of you just need to take a break. Because your dating habits are so dysfunctional and so destructive. And the only way to kill a bad habit is to starve it and then replace it with a new habit. The two of our young adult men, I'm so proud of them. One, one of the guys I'm discipling, one of the guys that, that interns with us, I was talking with them about this. And, and they were challenged to take a year off from dating. A whole year from dating. And they took the challenge. Because they knew that they weren't at a place that they needed to invite someone into their life to follow them. And some of you need to take a break too. You're more than your next date. You're more than your boyfriend. And here's some things you can do while you're taking a break. Number one, you can address your past. Get emotionally healthy. Women, one of the the grossest things that you can do is hold your future husband hostage because of some emotional scars that you have not dealt with in your past and blame him for something he never did. Get healthy, address your past. Number two, break some habits. Guys, one of the best things that you can do when you take a break is get sexually pure, get your sex drive under control. It needs discipline, not indulgence. Number three, set some standards. Who are you, who, who's in your crosshairs? What characteristics are you aiming at? Number four, get out of debt. One of the best gifts you can give your marriage and your life is debt-free. Get healthy financially. And then lastly, man, go to, go to church. Get involved. Leverage your singleness for a purpose greater than just finding some sort of sensual pleasure. And use it for the glory of God. Or maybe you just need to be broken finally. Maybe you just need to be broken. Some of you here, man, you like me. You like what Josiah said earlier. Man, you're a mess. <laughs> and, and you're trying in all of your vigor and all of your might to make it work. Not just dating, life. And when I was 20, man, I was broken. And it, when I was 20, what I, what I did finally, what I hadn't been able to do up until that point in my life is surrender. I said, God, I, I see you. I see you in a whole new light. God, I see your holiness, your grandeur, your greatness. And God, I'm undone. Because when God reveals his holiness, it reveals our sinfulness. And we see you. With, with clarity, our need for the cross. Some of you need to be broken. That the, that the reason why you have not had success in life is because you haven't ever tapped into the giver of life that there's a God. He loves you. He died for you on a criminal's cross. He lived the life that you and I couldn't live. He died the death that you and I deserve. He became our propitiation. That's a big church word that means that he absorbed like a big sponge the wrath of God, the judgment of God that was due upon mankind. You and I, we were dead in our sin. We were pitch black at the bottom of a pit, and God reached down, and, and in our mess, and in our muck, he pulled us out and set our feet upon a rock because because we believed in his finished work on the cross and his cross gave us a new identity because that identity was rooted in the reality that he didn't just stay on the cross, but he rose from the grave and he kicked sin and death in the teeth. He became our heavyweight champion of the universe and he is our master. He is our savior. So in our pit of brokenness, we see he was broken so that we could be made whole. And some of you, you need to come to that reality. And when I saw my sin and saw God's love and I quit cheapening the grace of God, I understood this truth that my history didn't disqualify me, but my reputation may just disqualify me. That I needed to make some changes. See, the first step to you getting a new reputation, a new label, is to have a new identity. And then your identity changes your activity. So you don't just sign up for Jesus one time. But you come and you follow Jesus. And what authenticates your faith is faithfulness over time. What do you need to do? Some of you need to pump the brakes. Some of you need to take a break. Some of you need to break up. Some of you need to be broken. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for... This moment in time, right now, here we are, hearing your truth proclaimed over our lives. And God, I pray for my friends tonight that you would help them to not be marked by a a legacy of of living and learning, but but to be marked by a legacy of, 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 of learning at a point in time and then living differently. God, you would help us to be very careful how we live, You'd give us wisdom so that we could make the most of every opportunity. God, give us focus, change the scope of our lives, give us new vision to put our crosshairs on the characteristics of, of a godly man or a godly woman that we would celebrate those characteristics and that we would change our perspective where it needs to be changed. We would put our crosshairs on character. Do they love Jesus? Are they committed? We would find out if we have chemistry through our social lives, through our vocational lives and so many other areas. got to pray for courage tonight. That you would help people to do hard things to pump the brakes, break up, take a break, or be broken. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name,